but we'll get used to it yeah we will we will we're on the fifth floor we're on a high and uh, yeah we've uh, lots to talk about including your move to Dublin you're not travelling from Mullen anymore no well uh, ne- next week 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 and a half so uh, yeah for people who are unaware the the morning drive is for an early start 4.45 in the morning I leave that's early but uh, at least you get to listen to podcasts and stuff as well um, you know Patrick Cavanagh the first time he came from Monaghan to Dublin he walked did he? Yeah. Right, well, so now if you're trying to make me feel bad for, yeah. for driving and polluting the environment. Yeah, well, yesterday was interesting on the climate change. It was, it was, it was. I was playing Astro it, in it like took Johnny Thunder and Lightning. 90 seconds to start talking <laughs> about we? climate change. It was, that wasn't bad. Dan McDonnell, uh, our erstwhile friend, we, we played a game of Astro at one o'clock yesterday and I'd say there was like 10 sheets of lightning throughout the game. It was, it was I've never experienced anything like that before. It was yeah. mad. When you hear the, if you see the lightning, then you're waiting for the thunder. Yeah. Very little thunder in my performance. Kathleen, Mac- Kathleen McNamee is here this morning as well. Morning, Kathleen. Morning, guys. I was enjoying the chat. I was just sitting quietly in the corner. It's a morning like, TV show. It's, mor- it's morning AM. <laughs> like, we sit in production meetings and we're like, what are we going to talk about this morning? And then lightning comes up, climate comes up. Uh, basically everything you don't plan for yeah. comes up in a lot of people was mental yesterday like we were sitting in the office and I think I was the first person to notice the lightning and yeah. stuff and then just slowly every person was like god was that lightning it took me a while yeah you were about like, half uh, an hour after it yeah, actually started like, oh, the, like, there's lightning it, it's like, yeah. rare it's rare enough thing in Ireland and then when you're going to bed and you see it out the window it's like you're in a movie or something yeah um yeah, so it was, it was crazy. Playing ball, you're like, is this is this the end? Are we just going to get struck by lightning here? Because our performance is that bad. Like, it would be yeah, probably yeah. a good thing for... Jeez, I had the umbrella. I was getting ready to leave the office yesterday afternoon. It looked like it was Armageddon outside. Mm. It was so dark. But then I was like, I shouldn't be holding a steel umbrella up in the up in the sky at this point but uh, safely got to the car got home um, we've got loads to get through we've got Premier League matches last night that uh, I know myself and yourself Johnny were watching United uh, Spurs we'll get to that in a moment but Kathleen champ- Women's Champions League last night Leon won Arsenal 5 this um, now all of the previews where, where you kind of thought right this is going to be a, a walkover for Leon. not a walkover but they're the holders they were the favourites they were at home Group C was kind of set up for Leon to win but uh, it didn't exactly pan out that way last night No this result was mental like I fully admit I didn't really tune into the match as it was happening because I was just like oh Leon are going to win like the, <laughs> Arsenal, I saw the lineups and Arsenal weren't even playing Miedema and I was like what's the point and then I checked my phone and I saw that it was 4-1 I think when I first checked it and I was like am I seeing things because we had work drinks last night and I was kind of like how many <laughs> pints did I have yeah. uh, I'll say if that was home by 9 o'clock um, but yeah this is like this result was completely unprecedented I think like 2006 or something was the last time that they lost by a four more than like a one goal margin it's been like 2005 since they lost by more than four so it's been like totally unprecedented for Leon to lose by this much even though there's been this whole conversation the last couple of years of you know where do they sit mm. it, and it was kind of answered a little bit last mm. year when they won the Champions League and they beat Barca and they did it so convincingly losing 5-1 to this Arsenal team was 
insane. Um, but it was also, it was great to see players like Beth Mead, Caitlin Ford, who's incredibly underrated as a player, I think, because she's been on a team with someone like Miedema. Mm. We don't think of her as like one of the top strikers in the WSL, but she really is. Um, and even Freedom Adam, like she was on for Miedema. She very under the radar player, not someone that you would pick out in the sort of game that's going to play. Now it has to be caveated that like Leon were missing quite a lot of players, but at the same time, it's kind of like city missing a lot of players. Like their B (laughs) team is as good as their A team. Um, So yeah, a massive win for Arsenal and they did it away as well. It wasn't even like they were at home. So I think they'll be delighted because like that was a really tough group. I remember when the draw was made, it's like them and Juventus is also there. Joe Montemuro, who used to manage Arsenal, coaches Juventus now. They got quite a few scalps last year Mm -hmm. in the Champions League. So everyone kind of thought Arsenal might have been on the edge to even get out of the group. Yeah. And well, to start off their campaign with a 5-1 win against Leon, current holders. It's not a bad start. No, you can't ask for much more. Just reading there, like, Arsenal have beaten the holders and Champions League winners in six of the last seven seasons on their own ground in the opening game of the group stage. That's which is mad. mad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they have a good record. Like, but It's their first win in six against Leon. But I mean, in terms of beating the big teams in the Champions League... They, yeah. can, they can do it early on. They can do it early on. It's just whenever they get... Like, cause I went to see them play Barcelona um, last year. It was, at the, it was the tie that was at the Emirates and they lost 4-1 and they were just completely dominated for the entire match. I mean, I actually just gave up like supporting them after a little while and just sat back and enjoyed watching mm. Barcelona because Barcelona were playing such beautiful football. Mm. I was like, if I watch this as a fan, it's just not going to be fun. But if I watch this as someone who likes football... Um, and this this has always been Arsenal's it's not even Arsenal's problem it's kind of English team's problem like we saw it with Chelsea we've seen it with City they struggle in the Champions League so much especially when it gets to the later stages and they lose to teams they shouldn't so while it is great to see them do this now I don't know what it actually says for the rest of their season in right. the group and especially because the fixture schedule this year especially like I know we talk about it so much on the men's side but this year in particular for the women's side is quite frantic and we're getting to that stage where it's starting to pile up and they're starting to see more injuries come in mm. um but even like we talked about injuries for Leon I mean like Arsenal are missing their main center back pairing yeah mm. and everyone thought that was going to be a massive issue for them I mean, they barely beat Reading at the weekend who are bottom of the WSL and then come out and beat Leon 5-1 yeah it's just a bit I, I actually don't know what the reason behind it is. I think Leon maybe underestimated them slightly and didn't perform, but it's not what you would expect from a team of that quality. Did you see the crack with Beth Mead the other day? They were at the Ballon d'Or and Miedema, who you mentioned, by the way, 120 goals in 149 games for Arsenal. Yeah. Wow. Vivian Miedema, that's unbelievable. But she... Uh, and she's tailed off as well in recent seasons. Beth Mead was only her guest. That's how good Mead it was. Yeah. So the Ballon d'Or, she was pictured. Was it one magazine picked this up or was it? Uh, I think it was Getty or something. Right. So I took a picture of the two of them. Beth Mead came second in the whole thing. And like they're going out. They are a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they went to it together and it was just like, Vivian Mead and a guest. <laughs> it was quite funny because Arsenal Beth actually. Mead. Yeah. Euros winner Beth Mead. Like. Yeah. Arsenal kind of like picked up on it in their pre-match stuff last night. And there was like a few photos of them like warming up with or whatever and they were like Vivian Miedema and again <laughs> warm up for their Champions League tie against Leon <laughs> and there was of course Premier League action last night as well and uh, I know Johnny you were watching uh, matters at, at Old Trafford your, your younger cousin was it my nephew Finney nephew, yeah, it's his first game um, his first time on a plane I think um, 
obviously hasn't been listened to his uncle, but um, they actually the plane was badly, badly delayed in Dublin, I think, and lightning maybe. Maybe it was actually. Maybe it yeah, was. I'm not. Maybe it was. They were definitely blaming the airline anyway. Whatever it was, right. you know. But uh, the uh, so he got there and you know he's what ten. So it must be must be such an amazing experience. Like I think my first big game, I was definitely older than that, and I certainly wasn't going to like Old Trafford. And he's a big Man United fan. They won two 0 and it sounded like the atmosphere was really good at the game. Yeah. Like you know, you know, there like there's so many day trippers like my um, nephew at games in the Premier League sometimes you're like it doesn't it lacks kind of the vibrancy of the old days but mm. you could really I felt from watching TV there was a really good atmosphere at the game and Man United fans I think Man United I think the players like responded to it in a way like they you know yeah. it, it was a real home advantage thing and it kicked them into gear for sure in the second it did half. it yeah, did yeah. and it was kind of cool to see and even you know, they like to perform from Fred and players like that. You know, maligned players, really. Fred was outstanding last night. I think the main takeaway from the game is how poor Spurs were. I couldn't get over it. I mean, I was like, this is going to be... I want to see how Doherty got on. He didn't do badly. Um, but I wanted to see how... Like, Spurs were ahead of Man United in the table. Where is this battle for, I don't know, second or third place or top four or whatever it is? Conte, mate, like Conte was, it was like as if he was watching a movie and he was just on the couch having popcorn. Like, why aren't you making changes Quite here? passive, wasn't like, it? So, like, Son was literally anonymous for the whole game. And I was yeah. like, so you, you go 1-0 down after 50-odd minutes or whatever, which was merited, mm. and he made no changes. He made, like, a triple or quadruple substitution at 2-0 when the game was up. Yeah. And uh, I, I I was just really disappointed in Spurs. They, they had a lack of ambition at nil all, fair enough. But at 1-0, they were actually worse, and Conte made no changes, which I, I just thought was baffling. But Ten Hag, Man United. Um, I was very impressed with them. Like it's the first time I've seen them in a few weeks, and defensively, just really well put together. McTominay came on at the end. Casemiro was kind of the holding player, played really well. Rashford did all bar score, like, but they were way better than Spurs. Conversation we literally had yesterday yeah. learning about Rashford. Yeah, <laughs> he's. Uh, it's great to see. Like he's just. Um, he's such an inspirational figure. He didn't score, but he played really well. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's getting into positions that Ronaldo per, per, perhaps wouldn't have been getting into, like running behind. What did you make of Ronaldo? <laughs> walking down the tunnel like this was so for anyone who didn't see the game probably 88 89 minutes Ronaldo mm. uh, by the way United still I think had, a, had the option of a sub or two to make mm. so it wasn't as if the you know the last sub had been made or he'd come off um, from the pitch and walk down the tunnel he just brazen as you like walks down the tunnel with a couple of minutes left plus stoppage time I mean the optics weren't great and it, it's a bit it doesn't really surprise me anymore no. though like he's done it so many times and even when he is on the bench he just looks unhappy and kind of shaking the head a bit petulant or something yeah. and I mean you look at the legacy that he has in football and you kind of wonder from his side what the point of it is like I understand being frustrated with being in United I'm sure there's a lot of players that are frustrated with having been in that team for the last while but he obviously knows himself as well that there's not a lot of other teams that want to take him on. So I don't understand why he isn't trying to be more of the team player and put himself out there as being like, look, I understand things aren't going all that well for United or not going as well as they could be. I'm going to be the team player. I'm going to fulfill my legacy. Yeah. And instead, he just seems quite happy to kind of throw the towel in a little bit. I think it's hard to be to think like Ronaldo thinks as well in the sense of the career he's had and his stature in the game and the life that he lives every day where he probably has built yeah. himself up as well. There's wealthy. an ego there. Obviously. There's an ego and that, the ego is part of his greatness as well. You can't divorce yeah. that from the amazing career that he's had and that self-belief. 
but you know like I'm talking about our game of Astro it's when you're hitting 40 and you play as badly as I did yesterday you're like God you know slowing down is bad but at least I'm not photographed by a million cameras like and Ronaldo is probably you, you shaking your he, head like a petulant child as well I was I had a horror show in the second half right. but I was like I'm not Ronaldo and Ronaldo has to deal with this and he knows that the cameras are on him and he must recognise the Man United are a far better team without him now they have a dynamism that they just can't have with his legs I think it's like he took away from the, the moment of celebration where the, the, the full time whistle celebrations were actually like mm. for, for a United fan it was lovely because you know you saw Varane and Dallow giving it loads um, the far end of the pitch uh, close to where the away fans are in Old Trafford but like Ronaldo not being there for that moment it was kind of a bit bizarre because I'm seeing clips in recent games where Ronaldo even when he's not starting is kind of you know geeing up the players before the match of the warm up and, and mm. those look I know Joe and the lads the other night were talking about he maybe lack of professionalism to some degree but like you, you see things like that clips like that where he, he does seem professional and a bit of a leader in the team but then mm. you see the, the petulance walking off maybe there was a reason for it but I mean Ten Hag was asked about it afterwards and he said I'll deal with that tomorrow which is today so I, see, Ten Hag has won the battle now though you know Man United fans yeah. delighted going home last night and if they see Ronaldo uh, I think Ten Hag is he's not there long he's doing a marvellous job you look at them last night they really know what they're doing Yeah, and um, the likes of Shaw like is outstanding last night and again another malign player Dallow really really solid very good last night De Gea had nothing to do Like he'd, I don't think he'd one save to yeah. make and against Spurs whatever about Spurs performance that team that Man United put out they, they would be a, a threat like against pretty much anyone in the league in a 90 minute game and Ronaldo's just kind of he is yesterday's story I think now it was even yesterday on the show like we were talking about Bruno Fernandes and I was actually just about to ask <laughs> yeah. you, how did you feel about like, how he played he, he, was, he was terrible but then he got a great goal like he was the one player who was like yeah he's not really at it but he was poor for some of, yeah for most of the, I mean, there was one point where Jim Begdon on the commentary was like uh, you know he was very disappointed with himself mm. sometimes Bruno and, and but then but then he came good in the second half because the goal was great. But he also started to come he in. He started to play. I think his confidence started to rise. It was a goal that sort of presented to you guys yesterday he was morning and he had that up on the dressing room yeah, wall. Yeah, he had ODM <laughs> literally in the dressing room, as you say. Like he, but he, as I was saying yesterday, I think it was maybe twenty-eight goals he scored in his first season, mm. full, first full mm. season with United, and then it was one in thirteen, I think, one in his last thirteen. So it's, we shouldn't be getting excited about Bruno Fernandes scoring a goal because. That's what he should be doing anyway. He didn't play very well. Like I mean, that, no. it was it was a moment of of great opportunism. But prior to that, what are we talking? Like an hour odd, he'd been probably the worst player. Actually, yeah. he had been the worst player. Fairly absent. Uh, Fred, by the way, I mean, outstanding. I, I think United fans are starting to really see him as a not a cult hero is a strong word, but. Mm. Um, yeah, go on. I, I'll just say it. Cult hero. He is a cult hero. Fred is a cult hero. It was hero. the position he played in, though, as well. It's just that he played him further up the pitch using Casemiro as a sort of deeper player. Yeah. Fred was able to... But even when you saw him, uh, Ericsson wasn't fit, you were like, well, mm. this isn't good. Um, you I know. feel like fans have such a love-hate relationship with Fred, though, because <laughs> most of the time that he either does something quite good or else he does something incredibly bad. Yes. And mm. yeah. there's never really that, like, in-between conversation about him, and, or there's not even really that conversation about where he should be playing in the team. Mm. Like, I feel like a lot of United fans, if they had to get rid of him tomorrow, they yeah. would, and they wouldn't miss him either. He could have a big World Cup. Like, yeah. this is the thing. He's starting to come into form, and Casemiro's playing well as well alongside him. I mean, Brazil, John Duggan said the other day, he said Brazil are a banker for the World Cup. But, um, but if you look at, we'll say, Arteta, what Arteta has done in terms of the mentality at Arsenal, like, mm. 
Casemiro, there was a clip of him celebrating, I think the second goal, where he basically went down, down on his knees. Down on his knees. Yeah, like, yeah. People are, they're definitely buying into Ten Hag here, like, and he's made a radical difference already in that you can see the mentality. That, like, they were so on it last night compared to Spurs. Yeah. And it's kind of the same as Arsenal, where you go through a spell or a lull or kind of coaches who are just not up to the job anymore. And I, if I were a Man United fan, I'd be hugely encouraged by last night. The mentality of the players... And if, if you lose the ball to Man United on a break, that was the mad thing about Spurs. Spurs were playing like on the, on the counter, but they don't actually have that much pace. Yeah. Whereas Man United really do. And if Rashford can sort of start scoring, scoring goals. goals, I mean, <laughs> the, the small for, thing that the centre forward <laughs> needs to start. Yeah. yeah. There for the great Scott, that shot that um, Laurie saved just sort of when it was 2 0. I mean, I don't know how that didn't go in. Great tip. But uh, if yeah. I were Ten Hag, I would be like, I'm delighted with your performance. And, yeah. and you're. His body language compared to last year, where he looked like he'd the world of problems, and now he's just known. He's a new man. Mm. Uh, yeah, United fans in the comments. like you when you get to Sony better. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> wait till wait till that happens. Taken over. Um, yeah. Wait, yeah. We could look at your morning shifts then. Oh, yeah. I'll get an extra hour in bed. I'll be, I'll be delighted <laughs> with myself, Johnny. Um, yeah, interesting to hear what United fans think in the YouTube comments, and the Facebook, and the Twitter this morning. Um, Spurs fans as well. I mean, you have to be disappointed. Uh, um, interesting tweet I read from Miguel Delaney last night. He was saying, "I've had it put to me that Conte thinks the world." Cup will distort the season so he has tailored the physical programme so Spurs are in top form after it hence conserving energy now we won't know the truth until the new year but Spurs currently looking very still I'd be surprised if that was like it's a risky thing very risky like because you don't know who's going to get injured at the World Cup you don't know what squad is going to come back to you you know, you have no control over really what they're going to be doing. They haven't a hope of winning the league, right? I think that's fair. Yeah, well that's gone. So then if he's thinking we want to finish top four and um Essentially, you know, we've spoken about Stephen Bradley, even at the Shamrock Rovers level, trying to be pragmatic. Maybe he's thinking, yeah, we'll finish top four. On last night's evidence, Man United are a better team than them. Mm. But obviously it's over the course of season. They don't even really look like a team, though, as well, that are like conserving energy or trying to conserve themselves physically yeah, until afterwards. They, they just look beat. Yeah, they just look beat and... They have a good points tally. Like they're 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 tally good, well, yeah. like twenty three from ten going into last night or whatever. So it's fine. Um but that was limp. Yeah. Barely had a shot on target. Like limp performance. Interested to hear what Spurs fans think this morning on uh, OTBM brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent Mo. You can sign up or donate now at Movember.com coming up on today's show. We'll have uh, Tony Evans on the way fairly shortly, uh, talking the Panorama doc uh, the other night on Liverpool FC and, and the uh, the mad scenes at the Champions League final where fans couldn't get entry to the stadium and there were scenes of pepper spray and all sorts of uh, carnage at that game. And he'll of course talk about uh, Liverpool's win last night against uh, West Ham. Uh, after that then, it, ten past State, we'll have the Kilmacud Croaks captain Shane Cunningham joining us in the studio. So, uh, great win in the Dublin Senior Football Championship for Kilmacud uh, last weekend, and they still have the pain of Kilku last year to, to contend with. So, uh, loads of interesting things to get into with uh, with Shane Cunningham, not least the impact of, uh, of Shane Walsh at the team as well. We'll do the sports pages at uh, half past eight. Uh, sports news with Cahill Milani then at uh, eight forty. You had to be there. Our latest episode with Vinnie Perth, the former Dundalk manager, at uh, eight fifty-five a.m. He's got loads of interesting um, bits, and not just in, in the world of football as well uh, but he's, got, he's been he's been there done that let's just say Vinnie Perth so uh, we'll have him in the studio as well for the latest episode of You Had To Be There and then at half past nine we'll have Wednesday Night Rugby some of the best bits uh, from last night's show uh, Rui O'Connor and Fiona Hayes and they were reacting to the, the Irish squad named by Andy Farrell yesterday some injury uh, injuries to contend with there for Andy Farrell but uh, loads of good stuff in that Wednesday Night Rugby um, some of the comments lads coming in is there a pause for the people who wanted Conte at United this time last year says Richard Redballs, great name on YouTube, by the way, as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, Conte, Conte's still a great manager, but it's just... Results like last night would, would 
make you feel this is this is Spurs. Yeah. Um, you'd wonder. The lack of changes were baffling. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was obvious the substitute. To, I, I'm sure my nephew even recognised. Like Spurs need changes there. Son was anonymous. Kane had a good first half, not so good second half. Son was absolutely anonymous. Yeah, yeah. And when Mora came on, he started to run at them and they looked a bit better. I, I just, it was almost like they'd kind of given up. It was like, the, it was like the, they'd lost 2-0 in the first leg and it was like, ah, whatever, we move on next week. It's like, yeah. this is a big game here. Where, where's your, why, are you, why aren't you doing something? <laughs> what, was your, what did you say your first um, Premier League match was? Oh, first trip to I think my first Premier League game was like Liverpool Villa and Peter Crouch scored which is 2000 and god I don't know 2009 maybe something I remember I think my first trip was St. Patrick's Day 2001 went over to see Man United against Leicester City two late goals for United 1-2-0 but Damien Delaney 19 years old middle oh, of the park wow. for Leicester it was his Premier League debut Adam oh, wow. Trafford up against Scholes and Giggs and these lads so um, I mean what a welcome Peter Taylor I met I met Peter Taylor after the match the Leicester manager and Dean Sturridge and these lads I remember getting an autograph off Dwight York and Teddy Sheringham before the game and thinking some pretty impressive first oh, game I have to say can't get any better than this <laughs> but, uh, that kind of like sets you on the road of these like trips to exotic kind of events like you know darts and kind snooker of snooker and, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it led me down the path yeah. do you remember your first trip to match in England so I actually never went over right to England so the first time I went to actually see a game was last year Arsenal Liverpool in the Conti Cup yes was my first like men's match that I ever went to like at home we were a big kind of rugby and GA family yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, like my dad's an Everton supporter so okay we would talk about like Premier League and stuff but it wasn't probably the main sport we would always be going to like Ulster finals and that sort of crap <laughs> rather than because they're all Wait, my, you're from Sligo yeah? I'm from Sligo but all my family are from down so. oh okay Up down. And, and, and in terms of GA Sligo were never necessarily the best in the yeah, world yeah. so whenever it came around to that time of year and down we're making it to Ulster finals and actually had half a chance the, yeah. the down mm. jerseys were coming out well forget your first trip to the Premier League you'll never forget your first trip to Clonus that's the yeah. in many ways the, the funny thing for me was I was a massive Liverpool fan and then I think Galway United won the League Cup and I got in my head like go to a game went to a game in Terryland it was like a night similar to last night without yeah. thunder and lightning 350 people maybe at the game on a Saturday night 1-1-0 one, one, and I was absolutely hooked and I was like if, if I were that hooked at, and I was like 14 what was my nephew Finney like at Old Trafford last night yeah. like they won 2-0 they were, they were really good it was loud and all that experience getting on a plane for the first time maybe we should get him on the show we should yeah. should yeah, yeah see what his experience was we like. should be calling him in right now <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like live like live that. from the airport <laughs> exactly. Colin Buffick brought me brought my attention to this um, audio from last night and I love this so this was great Amazon Prime last yeah. night really rare occasion where you see two Premier League managers essentially interview each other um, the presenter kind of set it up nicely and, and put them on the spot for sure but um, Thomas Frank Brentford manager and Graham Potter the Chelsea manager before their nil all draw last night um, a very interesting 90 seconds or so, or so exchange so have a listen I think Graham has showed his qualities hugely uh, and I know that he'll do a good job at Chelsea uh, but if you ask him one question yeah, go on. why are you make, changing your formation so many times? <laughs> <laughs> good question good question um, well changing the formation is um, we don't really see the formation as the end goal we see that actually how the team's playing the team needs to look consistent regardless of the formation and then it's about the, the personnel about how you want to attack the opponent how you want to defend against the opponent I suppose other things we consider but um, yeah hopefully there's there's things that look the same even though the shape changes 
Graham, uncharted territory. <laughs> uncharted territory. You have the right to reply. What would your question be? Oof. Um, okay, I have to be a serious one, don't I? Because you asked me a serious yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Um, it, it doesn't have to be. The biggest difference from the Championship to the Premier League? Ooh. The pace of the game, I would say. Uh, the quality quality of the players uh, is, is crazy. Uh, you can make one minor mistake and, and it's not getting punished every time, we know that. But yeah. you just get punished so much more. Yeah. Uh, so I would say the speed of the game and, the, and also here, I think another thing is that I think the level of um, how can you say it's more the modern game playing in the Premier League uh, yeah. so many changes formation uh, shift in the game a lot of teams are doing that more and more so yeah. big challenge a frank exchange of views of oh t- you having that Johnny, brilliant hey you were ready with that yeah. That's you were so ready I was morning AM he was like this for 90 <laughs> seconds when I can't wait to say this it's going to be so, it so a- funny it, a- it actually was and it wasn't a frank exchange in that like it's obviously slightly contrived because yeah but the, and, and there is an element of being put on the spot but it was cool wasn't that it? was enjoyable you like, yeah. never why get do you change your formation so much like well sorry <laughs> why should I be telling you? It was you? like a dig for a second for yeah. Thomas Frank. He's like, why do you, why do you change it for me? But he, yeah, Potter had a great answer. He was like, I'd like to think other areas of the pitch don't uh, change too kind often. Kind of like the conversation you guys are having the other morning, though, about coaches and like they're them being in WhatsApp groups together yeah, and yeah. talking. And like, mm. I kind of said, I think pre show that I didn't expect like managers from the same sport to be in the same group and like talking mm. about these sort 100%. of things. But it's kind of the same thing that we're enjoying. Yeah, like, watching. That was the Eddie Jones story the other morning yeah. in a WhatsApp group with Miguel mm. Arteta and the Green Bay Packers head coach, I think, and a few others as well. But like, that that sort of exchange, you need to see more of that in TV. I'd what, definitely like, like Richard Cooper to do the sketch of it as well for like, you know, Richard's <laughs> rugger thing coming down the line. Yeah, for, yeah. But it, it is. Um, like and we're not talking about formations. We're like, are Ireland right to play three at the back? Like, should Stephen Kenny? Stephen Kenny was never a three at the back guy, and now we kind of accept it as normal. And even like, I was at a game Friday night where um, Pat's lost a player, and they put a sixteen-year-old centre back. They changed from a three at the back to a four at the back, and these are things that coaches must be absolutely like fascinated by because it's such a fundamental mm. change. And he makes changes obviously all the time. Yeah, yeah. and some people are wedded to the doctrine. But it's like, how am I going to win this game, and do I have the players capable of doing yeah. it? So, and, but it's funny if those two, when you're trying to get like like little tactical mm. nuances like that, you could tell Frank Thomas Frank actually genuinely wanted to ask him a question, that yeah. kind of on his head. Whereas Potter, he was like, like a fan almost. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Potter was like, I'm going right, to have to come up with a question. And, yeah, mm. um, his question was good as well. But that's the type of thing I think we need to see a little bit mm. more often. We don't even see that in intercounty. Gaelic games you don't see mm. two managers on the pitch no definitely when you see two managers on the pitch they're doing yeah. something else other than exactly. chatting yeah, to each yeah, other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that was that was great to see I mean more the more of that we can see the better uh, a couple of comments coming in on the YouTube as well Bob Dwyer our resident OTBM Spurs fan uh, aside from John Duggan of course Spurs were shocking United were great simple as that really disappointing we'll still finish top three on the evidence of Brentford versus United Brentford are a better team a season is over 38 games uh, Bobby you Brentford are better than United it's a strong claim we had Judd Trump yesterday um, with the, the salty salty kind of reaction to losing to Aaron Hill at the Worlds or the, not the Worlds the uh, Northern Irish snooker open up in Belfast mm. I'm not going to call Bob salty but um, I'm not going to not call you salty Bob I'm just waiting for my moment. Salty to, Bob sounds like a pirate or something. Salty Bob, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Uh, Pat Dorgan thought Fred was good last night, but can be dreadful. I think Casemiro beside him brings the best out of him. Tries every game, to be fair. And Damien says, starting to see good pairings. Fred with Casemiro, Ericsson with McTominay. 
like I know football is fairly reactive, but we don't get United fans won't want to get too carried away because they know how quickly. It can... uh, they definitely will, though. Ah, uh, yeah, like, 100% let's we'll get carried be away. realistic. Like United fans are probably the ones who get the most carried <laughs> away whenever their teams are doing well or when they're doing badly. Like mm. you compare the conversation we're having this morning to the conversation we've been having for the last couple of days. You know, it was a good win for United last night. They played well. Yeah, there's still a lot to prove there. I mean, if people are still questioning Arsenal at this stage of the season, considering the fact they're top of the table and some of the games they've played, yes. But it's like United have had well, one good match, and everyone's like, when you're in, when you're in the game, track. as long as as Shane and I coupling us there in terms of the fact that obviously I'm a lot older than you, you do realize ah, like funny. we come in to talk about that was a bad performance. Then you come in the next week, and Man United during Solskjaer's era was like that was a better performance. Yo, yo. The next week's like that was a bad performance. So you're like, what am I doing with my life here? But Man United were good last night. <laughs> Like they won 2 nil, and they have squad options the two players you mentioned not playing and the roster is absolutely ridiculous the amount of games these players have to play and they're expected to perform and maybe they do have a little bit of squad depth as well yeah I think there's a lot of optimism around Old Trafford now like you, you could sense it even through the TV you could sense the atmosphere in Old Trafford even Anthony as well what he's brought a little bit of something like he's excellent first half I mean he's mm. some dribbler of the ball mm. um and the balance that Casemiro brings to that team as well, I think, is is, is another. Even Keane Tracy was saying it yesterday about at the weekend. Yeah, you know, it was a bad game, but he was like the atmosphere was class. Yeah, like yeah. everyone was fully invested in the team. Mm-hmm. And I think you were saying earlier about would United fans go back and take Conte now? And I think like what Conte does is he kind of goes into a team he burns brightly, and then fades very quickly. Yes. Whereas Ten Hag is much more of a build a slower build and you might not see the results necessarily straight away like I don't think this is going to be a straight line for United from now I think they're going to go up and down a bit until he properly it's a tough league embeds Mm. his mentality and and Mm. gets those players to where they should be playing like say someone like Rashford we keep saying he gets himself into great positions he should have scored when he actually starts scoring and when Ten Hag gets him to that place then I think United are really going to be on a run of form. Yeah. Um, what if he actually does realise his potential this season? Yeah. You know, yeah I think it was body language really struck it me. Was. Body language of the players is so positive. Hugging each other and mm. like it's completely the polar opposite of, say, under Rangnick. It was mm. all this dreary, negative mm. stuff. Bob Dwyer is, has, by the way... Um, Salty Bob. He's come back in. Salty, Salty Bob. Bob. United are obviously a better team than Brentford. My point is more about one win doesn't make Man United a better team than Spurs. Yeah, fair enough. Probably a fair point. Yeah. Uh, it was only a 90-minute game. Uh, to be fair uh, I just wanted to mention as well that Martin Keown uh, quoted in some of the papers the Times talking Arsenal of course playing PSV Eindhoven in the Europa League tonight at 6 o'clock at the Emirates but um, needless to say Ruud van Nistelrooy being PSV manager has brought the Keown Ruud relationship back into the, oh, into yes. the focus uh, Keown quoted as saying I could never trust Ruud I didn't feel like I trust him going into that game at Old Trafford in September 2003 he would collapse at the slightest touch in the box when we faced United in the FA Cup semi-final in April 2004, I had moved on. I approached Van Nistelrooy to shake his hand. He looked hesitant at first. I stuck my hand out and told him, don't take it personally. I don't know if he did or still does. They're not on each other's Christmas card lists, I'd imagine. Get him on the show. Big we Rude. Should. We should. Yeah. Oh, big Rude would be great. Colin Bowie can do it. He's, yeah, well, he can pull it out. He's extraordinary. Let's get on yeah. to Rude Van Nistelrooy. Uh, Rude was my... He's one of those players that I had on, on the back of my jersey growing up. By the way, an expensive man to get in the back of your jersey. Yeah, was it, it by, by the letter? letter? A lot of letters. Yeah. It was by the letter. Um, yeah. so it was v- you just needed to go for the rude and nothing else. <laughs> have done. It was v- small v dot Nisleroy 10 and you're like, oh, this is going to be expensive. But um, just one of those poachers, absolute poachers. Um, United could do with someone like that. 
know who can well, score. Well, do they the, not have a poacher on the team well, already who yeah. is very happy about playing? You know the yeah. way like petulant poacher. Yeah. yeah <laughs> kids are now like playing soccer or playing sport at like uh, while they're nappies pretty much and they're like kicking the ball. So my mate's uh, son, he showed me a photo of him like uh, looking at this guy. In a, he's a big Liverpool fan. And uh, the other guy was wearing like a Man United jersey at the little training session. He goes, you think it can't get worse, but it does. And he turned around and on the back of his jersey was dad one. <laughs> with the Man United oh, jersey. It's a nice little bit of rivalry there. Yeah, yeah, I saw a video recently on Twitter where there was United fans. A few mates got, got their mate a, a United jersey and he's all delighted. And uh, like he's like, this is a new United jersey. Uh, buzz and turns around, it's Maguire 5. And you could just see his head drop. It was like a tradition a in, like a, yeah, in ESPN, old, whenever uh, you leave, you get a jersey. Not like a jersey that you want, but yes. something you don't want on the back. So <laughs> we, <laughs> The uh, running joke was I would always get an England jersey whenever I left. Oh God. So we had this argument, well, Nathan famously or infamously talking about the fact that he bought or would buy his kid an England jersey, I think, was it before the Euros oh, last yeah. year. Um, which, which caused controversy. He was asked on to different shows and news talk off the back of this, uh, where he said... Maybe, like, live line and stuff picked oh, it up. It was, like, bad. mental. Because I was over in London at the time and I, I thought it was an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, and, reeling the ears stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, will, like, would you buy your kid an England jersey if they, if they want... You know, because if your kid comes to you at eight years of age or ten years of age and, and says before the Euros last year, before the World Cup, oh, I really love... Like, Sancho's my best player or my favourite player or Bellingham's my favourite player or whoever. Like 800 years of oppression. Well, this is it. No. Do, you, do, you, do you start sitting the kid down and telling them about 800 years of oppression or do you say, I'll oh, just buy the kid a jersey. Mm. Be grand. Yeah. Um, I know which I'd pick. Probably not the one Nathan picked. I wouldn't be buying my kid an England jersey. <laughs> but I mean, each to their own, I guess. Yeah. And if it makes the kid happy, then we'll report back when you're a father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the kid is desperately looking. Married for yesterday, fatherhood today, Shane. You're going through all the stages. <laughs> Tell you what, yeah, it, was, it was Tinder the other day as well. It was like, Jesus, where are we heading with this, these conversations? We should mention as well, Johnny. I know you're a you're a, you're a mammal, a middle aged man in Lycra. That's on. That's unfair. Sorry, you you don't own Lycra. Um, <laughs> no, I like. Quite, like sorry, did, did there? Yeah. Uh, no, of course. The, obviously, the implication. The implication being forty. You are middle aged. I mean, that's pretty much middle aged. You're not a middle aged man, of course, Johnny. But uh, the big news that came in yesterday in the, in the, the cycling world was that the the Tour de France looks like it's coming back to Ireland. So officials in, in departments in the North and, and the Republic working together to investigate the potential to host the Tour in either 2026 or 2027. Um, so the Republic last hosted Le Grand Depart in 1998, Northern Ireland course hosted a stage of the Giro d'Italia as we did ourselves in the Republic in 2014 uh, yeah the last time it was uh, the Tour de France in Ireland I was talking about this this morning Willie Vogt was caught smuggling drugs into Ireland for the event the race descended into chaos Jim McDade uh, one of the politicians at the time said Ireland Remember would, never, Jim. would never have anything to do with the Tour de France ever again but this um it's exciting news, Johnny, for the cycling world. It is, and um, we have, uh, <laughs> as uh, Dodge said on Twitter, if you follow Dodge, he's like, the, the, the great reason, essentially, that we can host a, a Tour de France is that uh, we don't need to build anything, we don't need to do anything, it's just roads. Right, so yeah. we, we actually have the infrastructure. Because our infrastructure in this country is a joke. Like, I think we, we, for, we have so much wealth in this country, it takes years to get anything done, and our stadia at League of Ireland level, I would argue our stadia at GA level, are still they're antiquated like it's yeah. rubbish like and the League of Ireland is terrible but anyway because the Tour de France is on essentially roads which uh, many of which were paid for by the EU uh, this can happen but that would be amazing I think um, there was a big you know 
um, interest in cycling upsurge during lockdown. That's how I got into it. But in terms of the um, quality of our cyclists, we have Archie Ryan coming up, who's going to be exceptionally good, I think. We've obviously had Sam Bennett winning the green jersey at Latour. Um, we have some very good cyclists, and this would be an amazing event. And as Simon in my Velo WhatsApp group said yesterday... Because of climate change, they might have to do the whole bloody thing in Ireland. It was the, the Tour de France this year. Sorry, Velo WhatsApp group. Yeah, like a Velo Club Tourneur WhatsApp. Sorry, of course. But yeah, the, yeah. That's one of the cycling WhatsApp groups. I mean, it was, it was so hot at the Tour de France this year, like 40 degrees. Like that's like beyond, like that's basically like a human rights abuse to be cycling in that weather and climbing hills. Maybe Ireland is actually, Ireland definitely has that going for it. Yeah. But it'll be amazing for cycling in this country if it happens, especially in like OTB AM. With Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.